Welcome to Activate Church Podcast and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. Good teaching is the answer to a lot of the questions that we have in church. Um, and, And I think we always should know the answer why behind what we do. Always. And so I, I really felt impressed today while I was preaching to speak to you tonight about grace. Grace is one of those things that we sing about a lot. We talk about a lot in church. But I'm not sure that we understand it a lot. It is arguably the best thing. The grace of God is arguably the best thing in Christianity. Because without grace, there's nothing. Right? There's, there's nothing. Because there was no way for us to get to God except by grace. And so if, if you wanted a, a very simple definition of grace, it is undeserved favor. Right? So something that you can't earn... Something that is bestowed upon you. So, how many of you tonight have ever made a mistake and hurt somebody? Yes? Thank you for those of you who are not liars. (laughs) We've all done it. Let's be honest. Now, when we have hurt somebody, we then, if we want to restore this relationship, we've got to make an effort, right? And what we have learned probably about people is they have a choice about whether or not they forgive us. So some of your friends maybe are super gracious and you say, listen, I'm so sorry that I did that. And they say, that's cool, man. I forgive you. But if you hurt someone enough, chances are they might not after a while because it's up to them. It's their choice. They can choose to not forgive you. Now, when Jesus was talking to the disciples about forgiveness and grace, Peter thought that I'm a pretty gracious person. And I often like to imagine what it was actually like to be there. And I can imagine Peter was pretty chuffed about the answer he was about to give. All right? And he's like, I'm sure these guys maybe would be like, I'd forgive three times or four times. Peter says, you know what? I'd forgive seven times. Seven times I'd forgive. And Jesus says to Peter, 70 times seven. That's how many times you should forgive someone. 490 times. But just so you know, that's not the cutoff. (laughs) So I only have to forgive you 397 more times until I get to 400. Jesus is saying... Grace in the economy of God keeps forgiving because it's undeserved favor. You don't forgive based on what they've done. You forgive based on what he's done. So there's never a day as believers that we should not forgive. Never. Now that's grace. And that's why it's one thing to sing about it. It's another thing to do it. And I want to talk to you about grace tonight because I think it's just this concept that is truly beautiful. There is nothing like experiencing grace 
when you thought you'd never get it. When you thought you'd done something and thought this time it's done. Like I've messed up too bad. There is nothing like receiving grace then. It is the best thing ever. When someone decides and chooses to say, I know that you've messed up, but I forgive you. And this is what we experience at the cross. Is that no matter what we've done, no matter how many mistakes I've made, I am always met when I come to the cross by grace. And it's an extraordinary thing. And he doesn't have to do it. He's not obliged to do it. He chooses, God chooses to forgive us. And so in Romans chapter 5, there's a phrase that I'm sure, if you've been around church long enough, you've heard it before. And this is what it says. When sin abounds, grace abounds more. Where sin abounds, grace abounds more. And so you could, I suppose, translate, we don't use abounds very much these days in English. So where there's lots of sin, there's always more grace. And I want to talk to you, I want to use an analogy to help you to understand grace a little bit better. And then we're going to go through some of the misconceptions about grace. But here's the analogy. I want you to imagine grace is like going to a bank. Have you ever been to the bank? Yes? Grace is like going to the bank. There's an account at this bank that's been opened for you by God the Father. Who opened the account? Okay, important to remember that. You did not open this account. Not only did he open an account for you, but through the death of his son, he put grace in the account. How did it get in there? The death of the son. It's important to remember this because what's in your account, you didn't put there either. Very important for us to get this. And so here's how the transaction of grace works. I've got to go to, bet, to the bank. I've got to go to the bank. And I go up to the teller who happens to be JC. <laughs> and all I have to bring is sin. Okay? All I have to bring is brokenness, uh, mistakes, uh, all that sort of stuff, all the things that I've done. And I say to Jesus, I say, this is what I have to bring. And then I ask for forgiveness. And grace makes the transaction possible. Where he exchanges my, for, my sin for freedom. Okay, I'll, that's the analogy. Now, it's just an analogy, and I understand that it probably falls apart at some points. But what I want you to understand is there's an account in your name. It's full of stuff that you didn't put in there, and the only way to access it is through Jesus. The reason why that's important is because I can't take credit for grace. 
I can't take credit for grace. I can't boast in anything but the cross because if it wasn't for the cross, there'd be no account and there'd be nothing in it. Very important for us to get this because sometimes we have a misconception of how we have access to grace. And so I, I want to go through a few of these misconceptions because I think it's important for us to understand grace at a deep level in order for us to give grace. In order for us to be a people that freely bestows grace on others, we have to have a good understanding of it for ourselves. So here's the first misconception about grace. I have to earn it. That somehow I can earn favor with God. That if I try really hard, then God is going to like me more and there will be more in my account. Now, who put what's in my account? So how can I put more in there? I can't. It's impossible. Why is this good news? Because I don't have to make grace up for myself by doing good works. But often Christians operate under this principle that I've got to try harder and therefore I gain the love of God more. Or more, he's more impressed with me the more I try. It's not true. God has always been impressed with you. Amen. Why? Because you're his son or his daughter. Has nothing to do with your track record. Isn't that good news? God has always been impressed with you. It's interesting that when Jesus is being baptized, there's a voice from heaven that says, well done now, good and faithful servant. Or he's, he's like, a, this is my son who I'm really pleased with. How much has Jesus done up until this point for God? Do you know? Has he started his earthly ministry yet? No. He hasn't done, a, he hasn't done anything. And yet it says, God says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Before he's done anything. What you need to know about grace is that God loves you. He's already got an account for you and it's already full. Before you've ever done him anything. And so you don't have to spend your Christian life hoping that you're going to put stuff in the bank so that when things go really wrong, there's going to be there. There's going to be stuff there. That's not how this works. You don't have to try and earn the love of God. You don't have to earn the love of God. It's just there for you. And I have met people that are trying desperately to win the affection of God and they haven't understood that that's not how grace works. This is not about applying the right amount of effort. This is not about doing the right amount of things. This is not about trying harder. For it is by grace that we're saved, not by works. And so if you are sort of operating under that misconception of grace that, 
God's going to like me more if I do more stuff for him. It's not true. He will never love you more or less than he always has. Even on your worst day, he will love you still the same. Is that good news? One of the great visuals I have of Peter after he denies Jesus, it says that Peter and Jesus saw each other. I don't know if you've ever picked this up in the text, but it says that Peter and Jesus saw each other. Now, Jesus knew exactly what Peter had done. But it says that Peter goes away from that moment and he weeps bitterly and he asks for forgiveness, right? What Peter saw in the eyes of Jesus in that moment was the same thing he saw every other day. And that was love. Even after his most epic failure. That's the grace of God. The grace of God is undeserved favor, which means he loves us all the time. It never changes. Our view of ourselves changes when we make mistakes, but God's view of you never changes. He loves you just the same. And every time you come into the bank, you will be met by grace. Right? Great, right? Amen. Here's misconception number two. Some people operate under the impression that God is too busy for them. That God is somehow occupied and he has better things to do with his time than hear me out because I've, you know, I make mistakes and all that sort of stuff. And so they have the intention to go to the bank, but they sort of look in the window and there's a big lineup and all that sort of stuff. And I'm like, oh, I'm sure other people, there's other people who are more important. That God doesn't have time to hear you out. Can I tell you something? There's a line just for you. Every time you make time for God, He's there. Every single time. If you seek Him, you will find Him. That's the promise. You don't have to wait in line. You're not part of a queue. You're not number 2,569. And there's all these other more important people in front of you like Billy Graham. You are as important to God as every other person who walks into the bank. You don't have to earn his favor. This is, it has nothing to do with God being busy or not busy, he's always got time for you. Whenever you know that you need to approach him, you need to push through this understanding or this thought that oh, maybe God doesn't care or maybe he doesn't have time. He has time for you. He wants you and he wants you to be in relationship with him. If you seek him, you will find him. All you've got to do is knock and the door will be open. All right, And so I want you to sort of, if this is something that you struggle with and you've thought, you know, I, I know what I need to do, but I, I don't know, and I don't know what, maybe God's busy or whatever. It's not true. Not true. Not one little bit. There's a line just for you, and you can have instant access because of Jesus Christ. Now, 
Misconception number three. I've drawn down too many times from my bank account. Right? I've sinned like three or four times. I don't know about you guys. So I know there's still heaps in my account, but I don't know what life is like for you. When we make mistakes, sometimes there's a lie that comes into our minds that says, surely I must be like close to there not being grace for me for this. Like I've made this mistake like five or six or 700 times. I don't think God's going to have grace for this one. And especially when we have a particularly bad day. Now, I don't know if you've had an epic fail day. I have. And yet maybe you've strung together a whole bunch of really great days. And then you have a really bad day. And yet something goes in your mind and says, Maybe this one was too big. Maybe. Here's the great thing about the provision of grace. We, we sing a song. I don't know if you've ever sung it, but it says that your grace is enough more than we need. Right? That's actually not true. Now, it's a nice song and all that sort of stuff. I think you can keep singing it without being too heretical. <clears throat> but there actually isn't more than you need in your account. Actually, there is exactly how much you need. Let me explain. Jesus does not see time the way we do. God sees time from up above. That's why he is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He saw your first day and your last day on the same day. How's that for a mind job? Hard for us to get our head around, but here's the truth. He knew every mistake you'd ever make before you made it and made sure there was exactly enough grace in the bank for every one of them. That's crazy, right? Because the way we see it is I've made too many but God's in heaven going, no, no, I already knew this day was coming. And, and this isn't even going to be your worst. Because I see two years down the track when this happens. But it's okay. Because I made sure there was grace in the account for that one too. That's the wonderful thing about grace is there's always going to be enough. Wherever sin abounds, wherever mistakes are being made, God made sure that there was more grace in the account. Always. So you can boldly approach the throne of God. You can boldly walk into the bank and know that there's grace in there for you. You don't have to be ashamed. You don't have to say, oh, sorry, God, I'm coming back for this one. I know I really shouldn't. And I know I said I was never going to come back for this one, but it happened again. And you don't have to worry about that with God because he's not sitting there going, I can't believe you did that again. (laughs) He's not like like running around going, oh, I didn't know that they were going to do this. He's not surprised 
by your sin. God is not surprised by your worst day. Because he already knew this day was coming. And there's a grace thing in your bank account with the date on it. Saying you you were always going to need this amount of grace on this day. It's there. Isn't that wonderful? Because we don't often see it like that. We see God as this, you know, he's up there and maybe this time the lightning's coming. Right? But he's, he's not surprised. And our sin is not a problem for God because Jesus paid it all. Our sin, your sin, is not a problem for God because Jesus was the answer to that question. As long as you come to the bank. And this is a really important thing to remember because the banker will never come looking for you. This is what we learn in the story of the prodigal son. The father never went out looking for the son. And here's another misconception that we sometimes have is that God's going to chase me. Never will God chase you. He's already explained to us a way to find grace. But he's not going to come chasing you. You have to come to him. Repentance is always the way to the banker. In the story of the prodigal son, the son makes a choice when he finds himself in the lowest of low, feeding pigs and eating what they're eating because he's starving. He comes to the realization that I've sinned against my father and I've sinned against God. And then he makes his way back to his father. And so the whole way back, which I touched on this morning, he's preparing this speech of repentance and, and, and he's, you don't have to take me back as a son, father, but maybe if you would just take me back as a servant. So he's coming up with a way to earn the love of the father back. The father doesn't care. He doesn't even let him finish his speech. He just gets all excited. The son that I thought was dead is now alive. He was lost, but now he's found. All that, get, get the robe, get killed the calf, all that. And the son's like, no, I have a speech. <laughs> you see, every time you come to him in repentance, you are met with grace and joy. Not disappointment. The banker's never like, oh, here he comes, far out. Father, give me grace. Hi. Hi, so good to see you. Never is, is that the attitude. But again, when I look at myself through my brokenness and through my mistakes, I sometimes think, surely God looks at me like this. Surely, because I said I wasn't going to do this and I did it again. And we think that he's this disappointed father. No, 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 he already knew. And so when... As soon as he sees you coming, he comes. The banker comes running towards you. Oh, hi, you came. Fantastic. 
and the transaction of grace happens. But he never, ever will leave the bank coming looking for you. Here's another misconception about grace that some people have. They think that they've got grace in their pockets. That I got, I, I'm saved now. I got heaps of grace. I got like change in my pocket. And I sin. That's okay. I got some change here. I got grace for that. No worries. Yeah, I can kind of do whatever I want because I have grace now. And Paul actually addresses this in the book of Romans. He says, because now we have grace. Does that mean that we can just go on sinning? And I'll just use grace. And, and what that does is it makes grace real cheap. How do we access grace again? We go to the, the bank, to the Father. I don't have grace in my pocket. I can't spend grace however I want to. I don't have a license to live however I want. And it's okay, it's okay. I got grace. God's got this here. I have a, here, I've got three, four dollars. Have that. Every time I sin, I must go back to the bank. Because what that does is it shows remorse. Do we know what remorse is? I try and teach remorse to my daughters who are eight and six. Here's what happens. One of them hits the other one. And I try and make them say sorry, right? So what do you think that sorry sounds like? Sorry. No, 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 no. That's not remorse. You're still angry, right? You want to hit her again. I'm trying to teach them remorse. No, I want you to say sorry like you mean it. Sorry. No, 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 no. You haven't quite captured it yet. And so I'm just, I'm trying to teach them what it means to actually feel bad about what you've done. And and this is what we need to learn as Christians is that we actually do have to feel bad when we have sinned. I'm not talking about condemnation. I'm talking about remorse. Like I've done something wrong. And what we see, and I used it already, the example of when Peter went out and he wept bitterly. Let me quote somebody named Dr. Michael Yusuf. When we fully understand the cost of our sin, we choose not to take grace for granted. When we fully understand Jesus' sacrifice and love, we begin to cherish our relationship with him above all else. And when we love God with all our heart and soul and strength and mind, we will hate sin and crave a a closer relationship with God the Father. Here's what happens. Sin separates me from God. I don't want grace because I get off the hook. That's not why I go to the bank. It's because, oh God, I'm on the hook here. Um, uh, I don't want to go to hell. Uh, I need grace. Uh, Please forgive me. That's not remorse. What you should be feeling is, I'm now separated from relationship with God my Father, and I feel far from Him. And that should bother us. 
It's not about just going to the bank and saying, oh God, I don't want to feel guilty anymore. God, I don't want to feel shamed anymore. Can you please forgive me? It's God, I need to be close to you again. I recognize the price that was paid for my sin. You see, grace is free, but it wasn't cheap. Jesus paid for that with his life. He did it so that we could be reunited with God the Father, so that relationship could be restored, so that we could know what it's like to enjoy the presence of God himself. And every time I sin, I am separated from his presence. And you can't make that right unless you go to the bank. Church does not equal bank, people. Do you understand? Oh, no, I went to church. It's all good. We're sweet now. Me and God, I went to church like five times in a row. All right? You're not doing God any favors by coming to church, just so you know. And it's not making you sweeter with him every time you come. There is only one way to get grace, and that's to go to the bank and ask Jesus Christ for forgiveness. It's only then that grace is then, undeserved favor is then bestowed upon us, and where there was sin, now there's freedom and restoration and redemption. We have to sense, have a sense of remorse, people. And feel the weight of our sin. And I think sometimes we make grace cheap by just thinking, oh no, it's all good. It's all good. I, I sang that song about grace. That's not how this works, everyone. You have to feel remorse. God's not interested in condemning us. We see that time and time again through the life of Jesus Christ. You think about the woman thrown at the feet of Jesus, caught in the act of adultery. And he says to the crowd, okay, everybody who doesn't have any sin can throw a stone. Now, I don't know if you know this, but there was someone in the crowd who had a right to throw the stones. Yes? Who? J.C. Had every right to pick up a rock that day and throw it at her. But he says to her, neither do I condemn you. But that wasn't the end of the story. Go and sin no more. You see, Jesus doesn't just let us off the hook. Sin, we all have to have a problem with. We have to have a problem with it. We can't just keep doing it. Grace is wonderful but it's only wonderful when I understand how much it means and how much it costs and what it gives me once I have it, which is right relationship with God the Father. We have difficult time understanding this sometimes, but God is never surprised by our sin. And we've got to sort of get that into our minds because if I understand that, then I am always ready to go back to Him. 
There's nothing that can separate me from the love of God. Wonderful passage of scripture, Romans chapter 8. Nothing can. Sin can't. There's only one thing that can separate you from the love of God. Do you know what it is? You. You can choose to not do what you know you should. Because nothing else on heaven and earth can separate you from the love of God. Nothing. Because God's made provision for that. But I can choose to not go and choose separation. I don't know why you would choose that, but we can. We've all done it. There have been times where we've made mistakes and we haven't boldly approached the throne, right? We chose other roads. We chose to try and be better. We chose to fix things on our own. I don't know if you've read the Bible, but 100% of the time when people chose to fix things on their own, it never works out. Never. It's only when we do what God has challenged us to do that we experience grace. I've had lots of discussions with people about the difference between Judas and Peter. These two men got taught the exact same thing for three years, three plus years. They both had an awful day. One of them chose to do what he thought was right in his own eyes. And he committed suicide. Because he decided that based on what he had done, there was no way that God would forgive him. But I know that that's not true. I don't think Peter did something worse or better than what Judas did. They both failed him. Like, big. Peter did it in front of a whole crowd of people. And then he even cursed him. But he chose to believe what Jesus Christ had said and chose to believe that there was still grace for him, even though he didn't understand probably how Jesus could forgive him. He chose that path instead. And we all have to choose a path. We all have to decide for ourselves this this concept of grace, and we all either have to embrace it or we will run from it. Or we will come up with our own ideas of how this works and how this all plays out and and whether I deserve or I don't deserve and all that sort of stuff. The reality is, is that when God looks at you, He will always have grace for you if you come to Him. Always. There will never be a day when there won't be grace in the bank for you. But you've got to come. Why is it important for us to understand this? Because we must treat people the same way. What does that mean? Nobody should have to earn grace from you. Ever. Oh, but you know what? I just want to see them, you know, I want to see if they're really, really sorry. 
Well, what's that? You want to make them grovel a little bit? Make sure they understand the gravity of what they've done. Is that how Jesus treats you, is it? No, never. Freely given, freely give. No one should ever, 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 ever have to earn grace from you. You should just say, you've come to get some grace. Not seven times, 70 times seven. They don't have to earn it. Yeah, but in church it's a bit different. We have to make sure that they're really sorry and all that sort of stuff before we really embrace them back into the fold. That's not in the Bible, people. We should always, if they come, give. Just give. Give grace. Hand it out. No problem. So people should never have to earn grace from us. There should always be grace in the account for people. Yes? Yeah, but you don't know. This, they did something like really bad this time. Oh, okay. No problem. Because there's grace for that too. Now, some people have a really hard time with this because we put levels on sin. And say, yes, well, they got caught shoplifting. That's okay. Shoplifting's not such a big deal. I can have grace for that. No problem. What if they really hurt you or hurt your friend or your family member? And they came back and they asked for forgiveness. Do you have grace in the account for them? Well, if God has it in the account for you, then you've got to have it in the account for them too. That's what makes the church the best place on earth. Full of people who made mistakes and found grace. A community of people that love broken people. There should be a sign out the front, losers welcome. Because if it wasn't for the grace of God, none of us qualify to be sitting here if it wasn't for that we don't even get through the door and so how dare we withhold that from other people we must be administers of grace in fact Paul says it's our ministry grace that when people are around you There's always grace in the bank for them. It's a profound gift. But Paul says in Romans that it is a gift and it was freely given to you and me. And so we must freely give it out. So here's my question. Have you accepted the grace of God in your own life? Because I reckon there are people sitting here tonight and as great or as nice as the idea sounds, you still think you're too bad. And you don't really think that God loves you.
But you see, you can't give something you don't have. And if I don't understand grace first in my own life personally, then I can never really give it out to anybody else. Maybe you think that he doesn't care. Maybe you think that he doesn't have enough time. Maybe you think that what you've done is too big. They're all lies. His grace is sufficient. Always. And no matter what sin you've engaged in, grace abounds more. And so my first question to all of you tonight, wherever you're at, is have you embraced grace for yourself? Do you actually feel free? Or do you think, I still got to put myself on the hook for that because... I've just done it too many times. Can you stand with me, please? We trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website, www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.